Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings are from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, chapter 16, verses 4 through 15, and from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. My sermon is titled, Unspoken, Red Bottom Shoes. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a couple of highlights. Next Sunday, the 30th, is the last Sunday of the month, and we will have a social hour via Zoom at 11 a.m. We invite you to join us for that. And now, Mary Marconti has a few words to share about Bay Area Women's and Children's Center, One of the organizations we'll be supporting with our special Pentecost offering. If you're interested in donating, be sure to indicate Pentecost offering in the memo line. There is a distinct ray of God's light shining on the 300 block of Leavenworth Street in the heart of San Francisco's Tenderloin community. Operating from a storefront since its founding in 1981, The Bay Area Women's and Children's Center has been a steady, welcoming, homey presence for the hundreds of residents of this multi-ethnic inner-city neighborhood who come needing help connecting with resources or just someone they trust to talk to. The BAWCC, which focuses entirely on the needs and issues of low-income families, women, and children, was founded by Executive Director Midge Wilson shortly after she moved to San Francisco. Both an organizer and advocate, as well as a resident of the neighborhood herself, she recognized the need for support and opportunities for the many families with young children who lived in the Tenderloin's single occupancy rooms, small apartments, and hotels. From its two locations, the storefront center on Leavenworth and a family center in the Tenderloin Community School, the BAWCC today offers a variety of direct services that address both immediate needs and long-term stability, a drop-in center, free clothing closet, and food pantry. Major projects of the BAWCC resulted in five new neighborhood playgrounds, a new recreation center in 1995, and a new 360-student public elementary school in 1998, with an on-site family center that contains a free dental clinic, computer center, counseling rooms, rooftop learning garden, library, and welcoming family room, along with after-school clubs and daily structured activities. The BAWCC works with nearly 600 families, children, and women every week, most of them on a daily basis. The BAWCC's advocacy, planning, policy work, community education, and coalition building has affected both city and state policies relating to many areas in the lives of children and families. Through their Tenderloin Kids Count, the BAWCC has conducted several building-to-building surveys to identify all the families and children living in the Tenderloin to support the expansion of their services and programs. For more insight, check out the BAWCC's award-winning book, Children of the Tenderloin. Midge Wilson is originally from Philadelphia and received her Master of Divinity from McCormick Theological Seminary in Illinois in 1978. 
She has chaired and served on boards of numerous community service agencies, city departments, and foundations, and has won many local and state awards in recognition of her outstanding service. I am proud to support the work of the Bay Area Women's and Children's Center and to also call her a friend. Thank you. And now in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still as you prepare to worship God. Spirit in us, that our 
Let us pray. Holy Spirit, known as Creator, in the beginning you moved over the waters. From your breath all creation drew life. Without you, life turns to dust. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, known as Counselor, by your inspiration the prophets spoke and acted in faith. You clothed them in power to be bearers of your word. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, known as power, you came as fire to Jesus' disciples. You gave them voice before the rulers of this world. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, known as Sanctifier, you created us children of God. You make us the living temple of your presence. You intercede within us with sighs too deep for words. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, known as giver of life, you guide and make holy the church you create. For the spirit of wisdom and understanding, for the spirit of counsel and might, for the spirit of knowledge and insight we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Send your spirit into our lives with the power of a mighty wind. Open the horizons of our minds now this moment. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Now in silence, we acknowledge our separations, praying God's Spirit to heal us to shalom. The Spirit frees us to be the persons we are meant to be. The Spirit frees us to live in the confidence that we are loved and forgiven. The Spirit frees us to take risks. Thanks be to God for the gift of Spirit. Amen. Spirit of the
A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, starting with verse 26. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, maker of the universe, open our hearts and minds that we might hear your voice, might hear your word for us this day. Amen. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from God, the Spirit of Truth who comes from God, who will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to the one who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to, you, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Spirit to you. And when the Spirit comes, she will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me about righteousness, because I am going to God, and you will see me no longer, about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. You cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, she will guide you into all the truth, for she will not speak on her own, but will speak whatever she hears, and she will declare it to you the things that are to come. The Spirit will glorify me because she will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that God has is mine. For this reason, I said, the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were, dwelling in Jerusalem, devout women and men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in their own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. Here ends the reading. A few years ago, the Bata Shoe Museum in Toronto, Canada, put on an exhibition entitled Standing Tall, The Curious History of Men in Heels. It's viewable in virtual form through the Google Arts and Culture platform. Taking visitors from the earliest known heels in the 16th century to present day, we learn that heels were not, in fact, first worn by women and were not a sign of femininity, but were worn by men and were a display of military prowess and masculinity. At the turn of the 17th century, the Persian Shah Abbas the Great had the largest cavalry in the world, and Western Europe took notice. This cavalry wore heeled shoes as they rode, likely enhancing the technology of the stirrup and the rider's ability to balance while using weapons. Impressed by this fashion and its association, Wearing heels was adopted throughout Europe, including by King Louis XIV and his court, signaling political prestige through refined attire. Think shoes covered with carefully embroidered fabrics and bows of ribbon. Louis was quite the trendsetter with the addition of a red heel, no doubt a remnant from a long-held tradition including by Christians of the 4th century and the Pope during the Great Schism, using red shoes to make a statement of their power. Though we might look 
at the 17th century French fashion and find it quite feminine, for them it was a statement of masculine might. When women initially began wearing heels, they were the subject of ridicule and referred to as mannish women. If only they had known what the future had in store for women and gender benders and red bottom shoes, which until now, I never associated with equestrianism, a technologically advanced military, or the Pope. As the exhibit continues and the influencer changes, the fashion pendulum swings back and forth. King Charles II of England decided to rein in all the extravagance, and as the appeal of being associated with England grew, so did the popularity of a more muted and practical uniform for men, with red high heels no longer in vogue. The distinction between male and female heels became increasingly political with the 18th century and the Enlightenment. As the argument went, men were more rational than women and this made them better equipped to be educated citizens with influence and owners of property. Women were deficient in reason and so not equipped in these ways. Fashion became defined as frivolous and feminine, and though low-stacked heels were reasonable and continued to be worn by men, high heels were now contrary to being masculine. This concern about masculinity persisted. It was embedded in the invention of hidden lifts for men of short stature and later in the rejection of those lifts. A masculinity of refined elegance proved more delicate to navigate than a rugged masculinity of action. Cowboy boots, work boots, biker boots, all with heels, continued uninterrupted. Having painted themselves into a bit of a corner and wanting to reclaim their right to further express themselves like other males in the animal kingdom, the peacock revolution arose. And so came the rock stars of the 60s and 70s proudly donning five-inch platforms, a throwback to the masculinity expressed by Louis XIV, and boldly adorned to command an audience. Amazing how one article of clothing can provide such a window into our concerns, values, attitudes, and our technology over time. Things we assume are fixed in meaning might not be. Going through the curious history of men in heels, as the museum presents it, opens an invitation to take ourselves and our clarity about our social traditions a little less seriously. It opens the door to see more options to choose from and to witness the life of creativity at play. Our tendency, of course, is to be polarized, 
to engage in rivalries and dig in our heels. Pentecost is like finding a timeline with moth-eaten sections missing that we've been trying to piece together. Remnants of scrolls reference three Pentecosts, each 50 days apart, observed by the ancient Israelites with first fruit offerings given to God. Beginning with 50 days after Passover was the Pentecost of New Grain, a pilgrimage festival associated with the renewal of God's covenant, also known as Shavuot, or Feast of Weeks. Fifty days from New Grain was the Pentecost of New Wine, which usually resulted in people becoming drunk. And fifty days from New Wine was the Pentecost of New Oil, which was used for anointing and for pouring over burnt offerings. The Pentecost we've come to know through Acts 2 is thought to have been set in the midst of the annual Shavuot pilgrimage, the Pentecost of New Grain. As the story progresses with the gathered speaking in other tongues, there is some confusion that perhaps they have been celebrating the Pentecost of New Wine which becomes a slight, tossed back and forth between groups for centuries. At some point, likely between the 3rd and 4th centuries, perhaps because of the ties to covenant renewal, the Pentecost of New Grain also becomes associated with remembering Moses receiving the Torah on Mount Sinai, 50 days after the Exodus. With very little known about the progression between observing the three Pentecosts by the ancient Israelites and what has become known as the Christian Pentecost described in Acts and the lore of Shavuot being a commemoration of the Torah, fourth and fifth century writers began attempting to fill in the blanks and they did so in polarizing fashion. Christians proffered that with the gift of the Holy Spirit, we no longer had any need for the law, a.k.a. Torah, and that Christianity had thereby superseded Judaism. Rabbis responded unimpressed by the appropriation of their traditions and challenged the idea that Christian Pentecost was truly inspired by God, suggesting instead it was created by apostates falsely claiming enlightenment by the Spirit while missing the wisdom of Torah given by God. It is so easy to become overwhelmed by their arguments, so easy to be lost to the fight. But when I think of each of these stories of Pentecost, it seems like they've lost the plot, like they forgot the thing that first drew them to those high heels was a warrior's ability to ride well. Each of the Pentecost traditions begins with a covenant, with the promise of being cared for and the promise of a future. First fruit offerings, as with the Paschal Lamb, 
came with the hope that God would grant them and their community safety, that their sheep would return home, that there would be grain again, that the covenant they shared with God would be upheld, that God would remember them, would take care of them. The followers of Jesus had been given a promise, a promise not only that they would be baptized by the Spirit and by fire, but that they would be part of creating a different kingdom, not one based on land grabs and widespread impoverishment, which is what they had been living through, but one of justice, of caring for one another in common. And Jesus died. So what of his promise? Living in a collectivist culture as opposed to an individualistic one, Jesus would have been concerned about the hole he was leaving in the community with his departure. He would have wanted to assure them that someone would be there to fill in the space. And so he sends them the Spirit. In a collectivist culture, the people understood who they were by seeing it mirrored back to them by the group. Their identity would have been embedded in the group identity. So when the Spirit does come, thank you, Jesus, they recognize themselves as a people filled with different voices and different ways of understanding. And each is equally equipped to participate in a future of promise. And of course, the story of the Exodus and of the giving of the Torah to Moses on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai is filled with the promise of being cared for and the presence of God continuing to abide with them a God who already gave them all they needed to bring about the kingdom of God with the Torah. Though social amnesia can leave us in a mountain fog, fixed in our positions, we are invited to follow the thread that first drew us. There we are greeted by the creative spirit of a conversation unfolding and of lived tradition. Listening to what was once unspoken, there is revealed a need shared in common to know we are cared for and that we have a future of promise to look forward to. This is the story of Pentecost made known through the curious history of men in heels. Amen. We believe in God who speaks in languages known in heaven and on earth. We believe in God who in love created us to love one another. 
we believe in God who through the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work of transformation. This we believe. Amen.
Let us pray. Sweet mystery, we give you thanks for the beauty of this planet we call home. For the diversity of life around us, we stand in awe and sometimes in fear. For mountain lions and bears, we pray for safety, for theirs and for ours. For rose bushes in bloom and deer in search of blossom treats, we pray your gentle spirit. Help us to hold our minds, our hands, our hearts open to new ways of being and to trust in a future of promise. We pray for all those in need of hope and care this day those who are experiencing changes in their independence and who are growing more reliant on community, those who have undergone surgeries that are taking longer to heal than expected, those who are worn down by isolation and who are in need of change. Help us to be the community we long for, and to find the spirit of fire kindling within our hearts anew. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. We make this prayer in the spirit of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Notre Mère et Père, qui es aux cieux, que ton nom soit sanctifié, que ton règne vienne, que ta volonté soit faite sur la terre comme au ciel. Donne-nous aujourd'hui notre pain de ce jour. Pardonne-nous nos offenses, comme nous pardonnons aussi à nos offenses. Et ne nous soumets pas à la tempête. Fais-nous un pardon à nous. and the glory forever. Amen. Sanctus me. 
curious and following the heels of your dreams that you might find a fresh conversation and the spirit of community. of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.